Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Boots and Backstraps. We are still here filming at the Minnesota Outdoor Deer and Turkey Classic, the Outdoor News Deer and Turkey Classic. And uh, KG, we've had a lot of great conversations so far today. Uh, we have. I've, uh, once again, I am learning so much, my head's going to explode. This You're is, gonna, uh, it, it's. We're going to get you out of the boat and into the woods. Oh, man. I love the boat. <laughs> I know you do. I love the boat. <laughs> Although, I, I do have to give you a hard time because the switch that you went from like a legit fishing boat to like the pontoon with all the musky rigs on it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, now you just have a beer in your hand all the time. And uh, my feet get kicked up a lot easier. <laughs> yes. Seems like less work. It is less work, but I mean, we'll see if more fish uh, you know, come out of it. The first time we went out, we got one, so you were there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That is true. Well, speaking of work, I don't know two people that work harder in the hunting industry than our next guest. So we are, uh, have the honor and privilege of being joined by the stars of Driven on uh, the Outdoor uh, Channel. Pat and Nicole Reeve are here with us today. How are you guys? Great. Thanks for having us. We're yeah, excited. We're, we're doing good. Hey, and there's nothing wrong with a pontoon and a, and a cold beer in your hand, I appreciate right? that, Pat. We do appreciate lots that. of that in the summertime, yes. too. We're hard workers, you know. But it's not all hard work, you know. And they got, they got a bunch of kids, too. Now, you guys have three five. or four? Five. five. Yep, five total. So. That's what I'm saying. And I finally yep. figured out how that was all happening. <laughs> I did, too, recently. And we put a quit to that. So. Oh, boy. Well, okay, we better cut. You better cut at that point, okay? Because these are these people don't want to hear that. Yeah, this this podcast goes pretty much everywhere, so you're safe. But not there. I, I, I feel like an underachiever though, because we have four, yeah. and uh, so we have some good friends of ours that also have four, but they have twins. Their youngest okay, are twins. Yep. So when we had three and they had their twins, he was like, hey, we have four. I'm like, you cheated. <laughs> you two at the same time. Uh, you know, the there's no thing. really difference from four to five. Just saying. Okay. I mean. it's, yeah, it's all a disaster after three. So oh, we I, get it. I hear you, brother. I spaced mine <laughs> out a, a little bit. So I have teenagers and I got younger ones. Oh, yeah. That's the way to go. Us too. We have our oldest is 25 and our youngest is six. No, see, so <laughs> you guys have a 25 year old kid. Yeah. So you yep. started when you were like seven. <laughs> well, I might have, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Good on you. Good yeah, on right. I, I brought I brought my youngest home the same day I graduated my oldest. So. Yeah. I, uh, I told the guy who's sitting next to me at the graduation, I said, well, I'll be here 18 years from now. And he goes, I never thought of it that way. You're right. Yeah, our youngest is uh, 15 months, and so I'll be okay. 61 when he graduates. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So just turned 45. Uh, age yeah. is just a number. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. So I was telling him um, that one of the things I appreciate about you guys, um, of the several things I appreciate that we want to get into today, but one of them is the absolute relentlessness you have for terrain. So seeing your programming and how you guys are going into the mountains and chasing sheep and you're going into the mountains and chasing elk and then you've got your prairie stuff and I know you just had a, an entire um, presentation on whitetail where you're maybe primarily blind hunting. But tell me about this like terrain and how you prepare for that kind of thing. Well, you can kind of look at me from the camera and know that I spend a whole lot of time training. You know what I'm saying? My wife can attest to that. 12-ounce curls? Yeah, he's like, yeah, you're on a saying. diet this next week. Okay, I got that. But, yeah, you know, I mean, we do train, believe it or not. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of it's mental as well. And uh, I love hunting in those environments. They kick my butt. Yeah. But... You know, I can sometimes outwalk a guy that's, you know, skinny and in shape, and you know, a lot of it's right here, you know. Yep. And uh, you want it more. Yeah, you got to have that drive. That's, I guess, why we call it Driven in the first place. I always wanted to name a show that represented who I was as a person and as a hunter, and, you know, best, best told the story just by the title, and that's why I called it Driven in the first place. And, you know, I, I've learned one thing 
over the years. Been doing this professionally for over 30 years now. Uh, been in the in the production industry and in the hunting industry. Um, but I've learned if if you just stay at it long enough and you persevere through the tough times, which there's always tough times in hunting. What? It hasn't always been easy. Yeah. <laughs> just I yes, mean, yes, yes everywhere you go. Yeah. Right. Or you know, you know, you, you're gonna have hardship as as you go, you know, field. You just gotta persevere through them tough times because if you keep at it long enough, sooner or later that luck will turn. So, yeah. And it certainly has. I mean, that the show that you have is wildly popular. I know we're huge fans of it in our house. Thank My you. son is a, a big fan of yours. Obviously, having met you at some events locally, yeah, and yeah. you guys have always been so gracious. And uh, you know, we appreciate that about you that you're not blowing people off that you take the time and getting pad over here nicole we were talking about <laughs> i know he gets stopped a lot but i like i was saying in our seminar today our favorite thing is especially the kids right like you come to these deer classics and you see all the young faces i would have given anything at my age to have been able to go to deer classic i don't even know if they existed or not but my dad just never did we were hunting i mean i always hunted with him i shot my first deer at six and i've been doing it ever since so but as far as especially younger girls i was always the only girl in deer camp but I didn't know any different at that point in time, right? Like it yeah. was just my dad took my two older brothers and I came along too. Like he just didn't leave me at home. So um, I think the most special part for me especially is the young girls and young females that come, you know, obviously to the show and stuff, but just youth in general, it's so important to get them involved in the sport of hunting and just the outdoors period, right? And that's why Pat and I really are pursue the outdoor industry in the way we do and come to these deer shows is just to try to get more you know that younger generation involved so you do such a great job of incorporating the kids in the shows well it's so know? natural they all love it right like yeah. I mean when they grow up and they're born into a hunting family so you know our youngest just shot his first turkey this last spring at age five and he shot his first buck this fall at age six so, I mean, he's he's just ate up with it already, in, right? In, in like, Kansas, by the way. I want to kind of add that so I don't have yeah, the Yeah, not in Minnesota. <laughs> right. Let's see those licenses. Uh, right. right. But, I mean, you know, it's like same thing. Like, it's funny because our oldest daughter's here. Like I said, she's 25. Olivia and Carson, you know, is 18. Now, they have watched Olivia and Carson grow up on Driven, right? Like, it's yeah. from... Just yeah. old enough to walk. From dreaming about shooting her yes. favorite buck out of the box yeah, blind. To now, you know, it's just, it's amazing to be able to have that impact and impression on our kids. And now our kids are having that impression on, you know, other kids and stuff. So it's just really cool to be able to provide that for the hunting community. I'm glad you brought that up too. And Pat, not to like cut you out here, but uh, she didn't get as much mic time before. Uh, <laughs> just this like boom in uh, enthusiasm and, and participation from the female side of the hunting right. community has been crazy lately, which is so great for hunting as a whole, right? Absolutely. You know, and that's, I think, our number one thing. I always say, if you're going to take a new person into the outdoors for the first time, no matter what you have to do, you want to make it a positive experience. The last thing you want to do is take a young female out, especially nowadays. They have clothes that are built for women. They have, you know, bows, you know, all the, everything, right? Yeah. Equipment that's built specifically for smaller framed hunters. Muzzle loaders with pink on them. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like you want to just make it that positive experience. And that's what we always say. Like, it's so important in those regards. I remember going out, I had my brother's hand-me-down camouflage. I'd have to pull all the way up and belt tie up, you know. You're hunting and, in a tent. <laughs> yes, you know, and trying to climb a tree stand, you know, I mean, like, but I still loved it, right? It's all about the memories and things, but now all of these hunting companies are jumping on board with the female hunter and the younger hunter, you know, generation, so it makes it a lot more pleasurable for those new hunters coming in for their experience as a field. Uh, and I, you know, one of the things that we've done for our kids to really 
kind of hook them on hunting and is like she said create that positive experience for the first time we take them when it's nice weather yeah when they're not going to be cold right they kids and have a whiny. short i mean i'll be a first right. one to admit kids have a short attention span you guys got kids you know they're they're consumed by the digital world goldfish looking at their phones right. and everything else and all these electronics um you want to make sure that 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 first night or that first time you take them they're going to have kind of a positive successful experience because you don't want to have them get bored with it and go eh it was fun hanging out with dad or right. mom but i really could care less if they shoot something and they have or just see animal activity right like i mean that's yeah a and, field full of deer right right <laughs> yeah somehow it has to hook them right away yeah that makes that experience something they always have in their memory bank to come back on and that's what gets them out there to do it again and again and again well yeah. i think like ground blinds that. now permanent blinds we were talking we use muddy and hawk permanent blinds i'm telling you what that is a game changer the kids can lay on the floor they can color in the coloring books they can eat snacks all those things right that make it a positive experience when they're out there like but, a pontoon i yeah. say i get it i get it <laughs> snacks and, but i mean you know like that's super important and once again, when I grew up, I was climbing up tree stands, yeah. and it was cold, and right. you know, I still like, and we still do that with our kids because that's hunting part of it too, right? Yes, but, right. You know, the blinds, you know, whether it's a ground blind or a permanent blind, they that has enabled, right? And that has enabled us to stay out there longer. You know, even if it's a little cooler days, you know, that kind of thing, it's helped us be able to stay out there with the kids a little bit longer and have that positive experience. So it was cool to hear you talk about because I think it gets neglected a lot in sort of the general hunting community pat um, as much as you spent talking about scent control because i think it gets neglected where people are maybe less conscious of it they don't think it's as important as it actually is oh definitely you know i mean and for us that's what we've always said like i mean our camp you can't scent control cameras i mean think about it. we have double everything we have double people double equipment like you know you have all this stuff up in a tree that you're trying to conceal and he said it before in a seminar like nothing is a hundred percent right like it isn't we try to do as much as we can i'm not gonna, i mean i still put makeup on i you know what i mean like i mean we're still tr we're trying to put the odds in our favor <laughs> yes and, uh, i mean it goes all the way back to my hs days back when you know in the early 2000s when i worked for hs full-time hs was a scent control company right they were the first ones that sent away spray and the green bag and and the wafers on your hat i mean we, we looked like a walking Walmart. <laughs> and I really, I was mandated to, to, to use this stuff. And it really forced me to, and then I started seeing the results. And I started understanding, yeah, keeping your, you know, coast clean, scent-free, don't watch it, you know, and scent-free detergent and all that stuff, take showers with scent-free stuff. It really started to make a difference. And we just have transposed, and, you know, went to that next level. Now we use, you know, zero trace ion machines and we use no jammer to help cover our scent so your proponents of like of the bags and the tubs and like the, the hanging Whatever. locker yeah. anything yeah. to keep yeah keep your hunting gear and you know what we got cameras we don't spray those down because that's going to wreck them but right. <laughs> there's still a little added advantage yeah. to you being scent free you know i mean the old days people thought well if i just buy that bottle of spray that's in spray and i walk out there and i just you know, done work, 
change into my hunt gear and just spray myself down, it's going to fool a big buck. That isn't going to happen. But I always told people, I said, if you go through the right regimens, right? And, and everybody has different beliefs on different products. Yeah, I right. mean, a lot of these products have been on the market for a long time. Right. Why? Because they work. If they were a gimmick, they'd be gone. So, you know, if you use them properly, it gives you that little added advantage to where when a deer does smell you, he doesn't just clear the country. He kind of might nervously walk off, but he might even still give you a shot. And that's the advantage you're looking for. It gets them in a little closer and gives you a little bit more opportunity. Shift from fear to maybe curiosity right. yeah. so they don't bolt out right away. Yeah, exactly. So how did you get into crossing the border and hunting up in Canada? Because it seems like you guys spend a lot of time up there. I've seen her especially kill some big bucks up there. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you Canada's know? Canada's one of our favorites. I mean, well, like you said, we go four, five, six times a year, you know, wow. just depending on what we book and stuff. But, of course, every year to Saskatchewan to buck country to, you know, whitetail hunt. And he does a bunch bear of... Bear Yeah, I mean, bears. And we just do, you know, mule deer and, of course, the mountain hunts, the sheep and mountain caribou and stuff like that. I think Canada offers... It's just different, right? It's not Alaska. It just offers that extra added advantage. I mean, any American can go up to Alaska and hunt, right? I mean, like, you can go up to Alaska. But in Canada, there are only so many allocated permits. You have to go with an outfitter, you know, stuff like that. So it's it makes hunting Bring a lot better, jackbook. too. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're going to pay. Yes. Um, but here's the deal. When you go to Canada, you're not competing with the masses like you are in the states. Right. You know, and especially you're, this state. You're com- right. Yeah, you're competing one on one with an animal where you ain't got outside pressure because you're hunting in the wilderness areas or whatever. But there's a lot more opportunity there, um, less hunters, and it, it's great hunting. And that, you know, in our business, that's that makes TV shows. Right. So that's why we go there. It's a yeah. The borders are a little hassle, especially with COVID. We jump through the hoops a little bit, but we love hunting there because it is so unique. The the country, if, if you're hunting in the Northwest Territories and you're in the Mackenzie Mountains, the mountains are amazing. They're brutal. They will kill you because they're so steep. But they also are loaded with game. And you know, go to Saskatchewan and you're hunting in the wilderness areas, non-mountainous just all these different looks and, and stuff that I love capturing on camera. I mean, it's kind of a challenge to bring back that and, and put it together to where I, I, the viewers get to experience the hunt vicariously through watching the TV show. So when did you get into the production side of it? Because I know you said you've been hunting forever, but when did this interest, obviously having Nicole and having the kids get involved makes it easier for you to stay in the middle of the hunt even though you're not behind the weapon but how did that production thing come about oh well many years ago pre-nicole days Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah kids pre-everything yeah um (laughs) you know when i got out of high school i was i was doing photography and stuff before there was even like 85 you graduated yeah 87 to be (laughs) exact i ain't gonna date myself but yeah they didn't have video cameras especially prosumer cameras like there are today i mean there was broadcast cameras out there and they were the big giant beta cams or record decks i mean 700 pounds (laughs) they were as long as this table that's what i started with but nobody could afford to buy those besides certain you know broadcast companies yeah but you know when i started i started using those cameras and freelancing i'd freelance for espn and i did a bunch of other freelance work because i had an interest i didn't i wasn't ever trained 
you know, I didn't learn production at, at, at a college or anything. I just used my creative eye to, you know, compose my video shots, and I learned the camera just by trial and error, and uh, I enjoyed it. I was a good hunter, and I had a good photography eye. That's what separated me from the broadcast guys that were trying to film hunting. Yeah. And the guys that I filmed, like, I filmed iconic figures. I mean, you talk about something special. I got to film guys like Miles Keller, <laughs> Bob Fulcrod, legendary guys. Yeah. Some people nowadays, I don't even, I never heard of that. <laughs> they were, they were iconic figures. Right. And Sam Potts and the Greg Millers, lots of iconic great hunters over the years. I learned from them, um, but they always knew that when I was filming them, that I was going to be on the animal and they didn't have to help me run the camera. Right. And so I was always in their hip pocket, and, and yeah, we, we were a good team. And, and that's what it takes to get good film is a, is a good team out there to get get that footage. And now I I went on to work for Hunter Specialties. And that kind of brought me in the production edit side of it to be a producer because I wanted to bring different things and storyboards to the table, whether it was about albino deer or whatever. It wasn't just about the kill type of hunts where it was just bam, bam, bam. I brought special interest pieces that interested me as a deer hunter. And it separated, primetime bucks, it separated that production from outside productions. and through my efforts and then I went on to produce North American Whitetail Television's first couple years and then on to my our own in 2004 I started driven. And I have to assume that the goal was always to get your own program because you can't make money working for somebody else right? Well I mean, as, a, as, as a fellow realtor. <laughs> right you you know you understand it. Um, yeah. In 04 I, I met a crossroads in my life and it was a tough crossroads because I was making a great salary working for a big company had a number one TV show out there. I didn't own it. They owned it. And I built it, you know, it was my baby. I babysat it. And there was other great talent on there. But at that point, when I, my legs got kind of cut out from underneath me, I had to make a decision. I was at that crossroads to be either doing my own thing or going back to work for somebody else and helping build their brand. I said, you know what? As long as I got sponsor support. So I called Matthews with a company I've always been with since the beginning. And I called a few other companies, and I said, would you support me if I did my own thing? And they said yes. And that really helped me get started, because without their support, and I've been with those companies ever since, um, you know, it's helped us stay out there and, and, and have the money behind us that it takes to, to run a production. And uh, Nicole joined us in 07 and 2007, and um, you know what? I mean, it's uh, yeah, I'm just humbled to be in this, still in the business because it's an ever-changing business from yes, what it, it used to be. Yeah, you know, and uh, we're still doing it. We still love it. Well, it's incredible to see the evolution of what you're doing because I remember when it was just the TV show, and now you've got cooking stuff and you've right. got. The real estate, you know, properties you're helping folks get into hunting that way too. And hey, so well, you know, with five kids and they start growing up and they're like, I want to do what you do. We're like, well, we better start figuring something out here. So. <laughs> you gotta go TikTok. <laughs> so well, we're, 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 we're working on TikTok. Uh, I'm not cool enough it's, to be on TikTok. Yeah, I was gonna say, except some of the content they come up with, I'd probably be like, eh, 
Eh, probably not. You're, right? not, doing, you're so. not doing some dances? <laughs> I know. Yeah, she's gonna start dancing. <laughs> Maybe today here for you guys. <laughs> oh boy, that would that would be exciting. Y'all want to see that? <laughs> Let's get a song queued up. Right. Yeah, we were talking with Jeff Frederick, the turkey guy, before. Um, the really nice guy. Had a great conversation with him, and he was talking about that transition and having his teenagers help him with the social media stuff. Right, right. And I was telling him that we just did, went to a social media summit, uh, real estate specific, talking about that evolution of where the industry is going. And the presenter said that in 2020 and 2021, both, that uh, TikTok got more hits, like views, than yeah. Google. So I was like, oh boy, that's a, it's like an eye opening. It's a big one, but you know, uh, as you know, TikTok limits what you can show. Right. You're right. regulated. You can't show you know shooting an animal you, they don't like they no weaponry it's it's a little that's a fine line to walk and so let let's just say i want the viewers to understand the the difficulties it how what we face i'm sure you do too yep. building your brand on a platform that's not so hunter friendly it's hard to do because you build your tiktok numbers high and all of a sudden they go Oh, we don't like them because they're hunters. Boop, off you go. Guess what? All your efforts. We just had our Instagram account hacked. And yeah. to get a hold of anybody at Facebook or Instagram is like Impossible. worse than getting a hold of the president. I mean, it's horrible. <laughs> so and you can't get a hold of them. It's we gone. have no chance. Like, it's gone. The, the people that took it, he hijacked it. Then he, then he proceeds to message us on my email that was attached to the Instagram and said... Why don't you contact me on the WhatsApp and I'll let you know what ransom I want to get your page back. I don't want to harm you and I don't want to harm your brand is what they go on to say. So I told my wife, we're like, him on a hunt. I'd love to take him hunting right now. <laughs> I mean, but we're, so we're dead in the water, right? So our Instagram page was down for about a week or so before I finally was lucky enough to have someone contact me back and go through all the steps, but it's, I mean, it's real though. You spend a lot of time and effort on building these Years. social platforms and just like that, whoop, the rug can be pulled out from underneath you. That, that's why we, so. we're kind of, we're dedicated to a hunter related uh, platform like, right, right. you know, the Drury's have with DeerCast and stuff. Yeah, we do a lot with them with DeerCast because it is hunter related. And they're right. not gonna take it down because, you know, offended by a And you course. can post, really how it goes down and then what you know what I mean like whereas some of these others you can't show impact shots you can't show dead animals all those things to whereas deer cast what you see is what you know what we saw out when we're in you know the woods they're missing the boat like that's what people want to see right for this end so right it's, a, it's ever changing but it, it offers a set of challenges like you said even in the real estate you know and we just got to keep up with the times you know I mean, I always laugh because I say this all the time to people. I'm like, well, I guarantee my grandkids are going to say in the near future, hey, you know, your, they'll be talking. They're like, hey, you know, your grandfather and your grandma used to shoot things on a thing called TV <laughs> where all the public in the world could watch it. That must be like, A-Tracks, Dad. Yeah, yeah, and you know, their kids are going to look at them like, what's TV? And, you know, it's just the way it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, A-Track related, right? I remember those. It was days. like an app on your an app on your TV. Like that was a t- it was a show. Right. It was a show, but but you couldn't just find it. It was it was at a certain time every week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, I remember eight tracks, man. When they came out, I sat in my mom's Corvette and I thought I went to a concert. <laughs> now you listen to an eight track, you're like, that is garbage. Right. Yeah. The, the sound quality, the clarity, all that oh, stuff. Oh yeah. It, it's probably Sweet. similar to that with what you guys do. Not only from a production standpoint, but just equipment. What you started hunting with when you first got in, oh, yeah. you're shooting animals when you're five and six. 
to what the technology is now with the compound bows, it's amazing. Right. Oh, right. I remember, like, Matthews came out with, like, a, uh, it was like it's a, a log with ultra, a string on it. <laughs> ultra Max or something, and you were like, dude, this is the best <laughs> ever bow. And I kept it. I, I got it. I got an SQ2 up in the up in the rafters. And the other day, I pulled it back. I'm like, my God, this thing is re a relic. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this was the best ever. And every year, they just continually get better and better. And you go, you know, and, and I think hey, this last model, everybody asked me, well, do you like this year's bow? Of course I do. I, I like them every year more and more. But, um, you know, to pull back an old one, and you're like, oh, I can't believe I actually used this and shot stuff with it. It's just... That's yeah, my bow is 80 pounds. Oh, you're drawing 80? No, that's how much it weighs. I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's pretty impressive. Right, right. So what's on the horizon for Driven and for Pat and Nicole for 2022? We've got some big hunts planned. Uh, he's got some big, big hunts planned for these next couple few years here going out. You, so. you want to give a little teaser? Oh, yeah. Well, we just got back. We were just hunting this we week. We were turkey hunting in Florida. And yeah, we just, from 85 and sunny, he wore shorts on the airplane back to Minnesota <laughs> on Thursday <laughs> night, and he stepped off. He's like, yeah, I don't think it's short weather here. Bad I'd idea. St I'd but still yeah, be in so. Florida if it wasn't for having to come back and do the show here. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so we did Minnesota, and, of course, we're going to have Minnesota turkey, Iowa turkey. He's got some big shed hunts. He goes up with our good friends, Cody and Kelsey Robbins from Live to Hunt up in Saskatchewan and he's going to do a shed hunt up there um, so those of course and then we've got some pretty big hunts planned for this fall um, for he's the gonna, summer yeah yeah we're going to Hawaii um, our oldest daughter got married like we said this past year so we uh, for their honeymoon trip we we're taking them to Hawaii I know you're you're honeymooning with your parents but <laughs> we're in <laughs> Hawaii I know yeah, right? we're going hunting so we're Hawaii. going hunting what do you hunt in Hawaii Axis deer Okay. Yep. So we're going to go there, and we'll hunt with them for a few days, and they'll go do their own thing. We'll do and a cold thing, beer. So. We hunt cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we'll do Hawaii in July, and then uh, still planning a mountain hunt for August. And he's got, Albert, you know, we've got mule deer, elk, um, moose in the Yukon. Um, so, yeah, you know, our we did, yeah, we a lot went of to, big adventure. Yeah, we went to the SCI uh, show out in Vegas here a couple weeks back, and we booked a Spain hunt. We're going to do Ibex, Ibex in Spain Ibex, this next that's a March. Cool yeah, really cool. And we've got New Zealand booked. Um, and then he's crazy. He's going to shoot a Marco Polo over on the Afghanistan border, which I think he's absolutely nuts. And I'm upping his life insurance before he does that. So, so. so <laughs> can I just like interject into that one spot? Because we had Oscar Carlson on the show. And he was talking all about, because he's got like four or five Grand Slams. Yeah. And right. he's, he's got a Marco Polo. And he was sharing those stories of having to literally buy cases of vodka to get through the checkpoints yeah. bribing the guards and stuff i was like i just I, I know i know and that yeah he thinks he wants to do it i'm like i'll be right here in the united states on minnesota soil right <laughs> cornfield that's enough danger right. Yeah, right. It's, it's part of the experience you know i, I like that well, for best hunting <laughs> I don't, i'm not sure i want to go to russia right now but it's on, yeah, he's it's on my to, radar yeah he's supposed to go to russia next year to go brown bear hunting and yeah so we'll see right We'll yeah, see. so it's just one of those things. Yeah, we've got a ton of hunts booked. Um, yeah, a lot of big game stuff, you know, and tons of whitetails, of course, again. So. Well, you guys like, grow some pretty big deer on your properties. Well, I'm hoping this year I get drawn. So last year I didn't get drawn for Iowa or Kansas, hence why he shot all the big deer. Um, so hopefully this year he gets to stay <laughs> home You're and never I get to go. So. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, 
I always put a little money, more money in the envelope. That's how I get wrong. <laughs> ah, yes. The right people in the right pocket to stick oh, yeah. it in. Right. But, yeah, so, no, we got some good stuff coming. And, like I said, all of our kids are really getting involved and hunting a little more, too. So, yeah, it's awesome. Are there plans long-term to have the kids more? I mean, because they have some, like, features on the show, but maybe to incorporate them more. Well, is that even a question? I mean, I would like to retire someday. <laughs> but Pat always tells me in this industry people don't retire. They just keep hunting until they die. I'm like, oh, I don't boy. think you're supposed to retire at 30, Nicole. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what I tell her. But I'm no, like, yeah, I mean. Time. I can retire pretty soon. <laughs> but she's, since she's younger, she can work a lot while I'm out having fun. Right. I'm in the same boat. It's my, uh, actually, it's my wife's birthday today. Her name is Emily. Oh, well, happy, happy birthday. birthday to her. Thank yes, you. that's so cool. She has been gracious enough um, using her Catholic, humble self to let me come here and do this today. Right. Uh, right. But we do have plans tonight. But she, uh, yeah, so she's always been really supportive in, in that way, yep. too. And so. Yep. I think it's important, right? Like, I mean, he's on the road and a lot, and I am too. And my parents watch our littlest a ton, and then our oldest daughter, her and her husband watch him too. So we have a very good support system. We're a very close family, you know, so it's just nice in that regards because we couldn't do what we do well, without, um, them, yeah. without them, right? So it's just. And you're from this, you're from Minnesota, well, you live in Minnesota. He is. I'm originally from Southern Illinois. So my parents actually drive 10 and a half hours to just come and stay with our kids while we travel. So, okay. um, but like I said, yeah, we have a great support system and. All the kids are definitely wanting to get involved, but we're making them earn their stripes. You know, nothing comes for free, you know, so. Carry gear. Do, right. Well, I mean, just learning, right? I mean, they think right now, of course, you take them on all these extravagant hunts and, oh, we just shoot a, shoot an animal and life is good. They don't yeah, they're know always behind, this big, Dad. Right. <laughs> like, they don't know behind the scenes, you know, of what it takes um, to do the production yeah. and everything, but they're quickly learning and they're all really getting involved and you know they love every second of it so oh, I, that's the coolest part is that uh, you know, eventually someday you know we can kind of re- semi-retire i don't think nobody retires from right this i mean business. we'll always hunt but you know i mean yeah. all the back from, end of the business will be nice to have uh, the kids take care of instead of maybe us. leave the cameras at home because you know, I'm, I'm just going hunting but you know what it's fun now though to have cameras because we get to share it with our like he oh, said yeah. who knows if television will even be around so watching grandma or great grandma and grandpa or you know even them their kids will get to see them hunting from a young yeah. age you know up to yeah so. i might i might have hunted you know back I think 16 was my cutoff time frame where I didn't film hunts, but I've never went to the woods ever since without a camera. Not one time. I mean, I don't care if I'm on a squirrel hunt. I've always had a camera there to capture the experience. And, sure. You know, you never know what can happen out there. Right. Even, even some days when you go afield, you're like, man, I, 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 I don't need to bring the camera because nothing's really gonna really gonna happen. You know, where I bugs. You know, the rule of thumb is, you know, when it, you least expect it. A 200-inch deer walks by. Or something, yeah. <laughs> something crazy. You're like, man, I wish I had a camera. So always have a camera. I don't go anywhere without one. And, and that's served me well over the years. So when you are on a hunt, how many people are typically with you in that team? Because when we see on the show that 30 minutes where you're just getting a small taste of the 300 hours it took to make that episode, right? It just depends, you know, on our hunt location, where we're going, if we both have tags. You know, our team can be 
a group of six and it can be a group of three, him and I with one cameraman. Because I'm running camera, he's running camera, and the cameraman's running camera, right? So, um, you know, we're we're a pretty small team, you know, we conquer a lot and we're just a, you know, smaller, minimal, right. There's a lot of entertainment value in those episodes where you both have tags. Right. Or maybe you're tagged into different species, but you go to the same area. Yep. Like, Let me tell you the strategy cool. of my husband. He thinks I need to shoot out first because I'll shoot a little bit smaller one. So then he'll have the rest of the hunt to hunt a bigger one. But a lot of times it doesn't work out so well for him. Yeah, so. I've noticed that actually. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot of lot from viewers. Like, your wife always shoots bigger stuff than you. I'm like, well, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah, I always say happy wife, stay alive. So. Right, there you go. Yeah, you got it down right, too. <laughs> I don't know how you got out today and do this, but I mean, she's obviously a good woman. She is, yeah. We uh, had some friends over last night, and I bought her a nice bottle of wine, all that stuff. And Perfect. then I'm cooking uh, steak and scallops and stuff tonight for her. It's what she wanted for oh, her birthday supper. So. I yeah, know, right? right? <laughs> yeah, you guys are welcome. <laughs> Bring the bus. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. Oh, it's it's been such an honor to sit and talk with you folks, and right. obviously to see you again. And yeah, and, uh, absolutely. I know you're pulled in 50 directions today, so thank you for giving us a few minutes. Absolutely, yeah. My thanks pleasure. for having us. Yes. Anytime. So real quick, if you just tell them where folks can find you now that Instagram back and all this right stuff. so we are yeah of course on all the social media networks under driven hunter driven tv and then um, outdoor channel on tuesday nights at 9 30 eastern so 8 30 central and then four other airings throughout the week so okay folks yeah. ladies and gentlemen pat nicole reeve from driven and uh, thanks for joining us yeah thanks guys no problem thank you make sure to like and subscribe and please hit the bell icon stay tuned for more Boots and Backstraps, brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. Boots and Backstraps is proudly brought to you by Homes by Shane. Making your move with the Homes by Shane team means an unparalleled customer service experience. That level of service is the foundation of this referral-based business. Our driven team of experts communicate with their clients every step of the way, ensuring a memorable experience from the first conversation through your closing day. Go to homesbyshane.com for more information. Let's get you home. All right, folks, welcome back to Boots and Backstraps. We are filming live here at the Outdoor News Deer and Turkey Classic. We just had Pat Nicole Reeve from Driven TV on to talk about all their stuff and uh, ran into some friends of ours. I'm super excited to be joined over here with us by Chris and Nikki. How are you guys doing? Doing great. How are you? Good. So not only accomplished hunters and friends, but uh, also outdoor enthusiasts, right? Yep. So I know you, you brought this mount over, but I don't want to get to that just yet. No, that's a teaser. Yeah, it is. And, and a huge teaser at that. We'll get into, into that whole story. But So how did you get into hunting in general? Like what, what brought you into the hunting community? I've always hunted with my family. Um, from a little girl, we were shooting like the little bows, and then we graduated to guns. And then between sports, we would always go hunting. 
Um, so it's always been a thing, but Chris has a little bit different of experience with that. Yeah, so my dad stopped hunting when I was born because it was expensive to go and, you know, do hunting and take away from your family and stuff. So I never really got into hunting until probably I was 13, 14. My uncle started to introduce me, you know, I just grab all their hand-me-downs and go out and sit on their platforms while they're hunting. Yeah. And, uh, and I slowly got into it, and I got my first bow when I was 13, and I've never looked back. I'm super into archery now, and I just haven't quit. So um, I know you uh, are an archer, but do you guys also, aside from archery, do you also firearm hunt? So I do. I um, My first gun bow um, buck that I got was when I was 12, I think. So I've been doing that, and then I went on a ram hunt with a 243 and got that. And wow, what state was that in? It was Texas. It was, it was on a, a fence farm, but High it fence. was still really fun. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I still do some gun stuff. He's yeah. he's strictly a bow person, and then uh, purist. Yeah. He wants to get anything with a bow first, and then if he can, he'll do a gun. Yeah. But he'd prefer to get everything with a bow. Right. No, I I just I have such a passion for the archery and the different thing. Not to say that gun hunting is bad or you know it doesn't take skill well, or anything. Yeah, but it is. We can admit it's way harder with a bow. It is yeah. extremely hard, and I yeah. just the challenge and. The whole intricacy and the intimacy of it. Is You're not squeezing one off from 300 with no. a with a bow and arrow. <laughs> I can try. Well, that's, we had gone uh, elk hunting this last September, was it? Yeah, September. And Just this most recent September. Yep. Yep. So yeah. what state was that in? Utah. I was in Utah, and it was pre-rut, so you Did really you? had to get close if you were going to get anything. The first day we saw something, but then after that, it was all like, if you wanted to see something, it, you would have been better off having a gun with you because everything was like 300 yards away. Because of hunting pressure or... Yeah, it was, and it was Labor Day weekend, so that in that area they use a lot of firewood and deadfall. You have locals come in and they cut, and it was like all of a sudden that's how they spent their Labor Day weekend was they cut firewood, and that's how they heated their house, and they just trampled everywhere. Okay, gotcha. So, and so it was that, I guess I don't even know because I haven't hunted Utah before, but is that over the counter or is it, it was, drop? Yeah, it was over the counter. Okay. I don't know if they changed it this la like after this last season. Yeah, Something know. weird was happening in Utah. Yeah, you can't um, even use trail cameras in Utah. Oh, interesting. During, during the season, yeah. you have to take everything down. So what was the tag like out there? Because I know like we almost always hunt Colorado when we're hunting elk because it's 670 bucks. And if you go to Montana this last year, it was like 1100 or something in 2021. I want to say the tag itself was Seven like something? 650 Oh, wow. Great. So, it was, I mean, it's about the same price as Colorado. The The guide, it was five-day hunt for 2500 so that was pretty cheap. 2500 each? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is really cheap. Um, yeah, fully guided. They would have helped us um, pack it out and everything. Did they put you on bulls or just that first day? I was day? at full draw the first day at a big old five by five at 30 yards, but his vitals was like right behind a couple quakey aspens and there's no shot, <laughs> no shot. I couldn't move or anything. It was just, you know what though? Seriously compliment to you for not taking like an unethical shot. Yeah. Cause a lot of hunters would do that knowing that you may not get that close the rest of the trip. Right. They might take one, shoot him in the ass or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, uh, she tried to get us on it, but like they're, when they're not bugling, you can't really get them chasing or like coming right. to you. So we had to keep trying to go in after them. And it was just like, all right, we're just going to keep bumping them down the canyon and then right. they might come back up. Right, right. So are you guys, 
So it seems like there's a couple of different philosophies when it comes to elk specifically. I know we're spending a lot of time on elk, but I'm interested because I love elk. Oh, right. It's right. my favorite meat. We want to oh, go back awesome. out. We're going, for sure. <laughs> um, so when you're hunting elk, do you take that run and gun approach? Are you bugle go, bugle go? Or do you, are you guys like to maybe find a spot and post up? Personally, I was thinking if we, because the style of hunting we were doing was the more run and gun, where she would call and nothing came, so we'd move and go and just kind of keep going. Yeah. But I was, I like the more of like, Hey, we know they're bedded like right here. We know they're coming down the valley. You know, she knew all this stuff. Yep. So it's like, yeah, she waited out. Like waited out. I mean, because there's a couple times where we literally ran up right on a whole herd, and you just hear, and I'll never forget the smell of an elk. Oh yeah. When you smell it, it's like it's distinct. It is, (laughs) and it's like, wait, wait, that's a that's an elk. Someone's got nasty (laughs) cologne on. Yeah. When, of course, we're in a single-file line. (laughs) When it first happened, we were in a single-file line, and I looked at her, and I was like, did you just fart? (laughs) Yeah. And she she, she turned around, she's like, that's the elk. I'm like, oh. It's like, oh, I had some asparagus last night. (laughs) Sorry. Long ride. (laughs) Yeah, so... I mean, it was our first experience. Um, I'll shout out her. She's lickety split outdoors uh, out of Utah. She does a lot of bear stuff too, and I thought that was pretty cool. So we picked her brain on that. Um, but we definitely want to go out again. And she put you on elk. Yeah, yeah, yeah she did. She did a great job. Yeah, she, she'll do mule deer too. Okay. Does she do um, archery and firearm? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you guys obviously went. Um, archery specifically yeah there's no firearm over labor day no. right <laughs> too early in the year yeah yeah so i think i think if we would have planned it better it would have been more around like white tail opener we would have gone out um to utah instead because that's when they're running more and we probably would have had better luck oh yeah so i like geeked out on elk a few years ago my first ever hunt ever 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 because i just yeah. got into hunting six years ago yeah so i didn't grow up with it i wasn't introduced to it uh, my family doesn't hunt I'm the only one other than my, my one brother who yeah. got into it late like me. Um, anyway, so when I my first hunt was Colorado elk. Yeah. And so it's like an unbelievable experience for your first hunt. Right. Yeah. And uh, we didn't uh, end up filling tags that year. But it's like after that, I just got obsessed. Yeah. So I started reading all the stuff That's about good. moon phase and, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're paying attention to like estrus cycle. Yeah. and Because right. you do want to go when yep. you got the best shot of not only seeing elk, but being able to get close enough to get a shot. Well, and that's even me with hunting this year so it was my first year archery hunting and I didn't realize how much work went into hunting because me and my dad like our family it was literally like all right openers this next weekend we got our stands up like a couple weeks ahead of time and then you just go out walk five minutes in the backyard yeah to go hunting and that was it so I learned her this year he, I learned her. You learned her it's like English, a, sir. it's like a 10 to like 10 to 1 yeah. your pre-hunt versus your actual hunt you got to put a lot right. of time into yeah. especially for help yeah all that google mapping and like putting like potential areas and like looking at that spot between north facing dark timber where there's water where there's food source like all that stuff right right well i mean said bedding like yeah yeah even like our whitetail like i am obsessed with whitetail like she gets drive i drive her crazy because it's like oh this food plot okay so if i do this blood or blah 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 and it's just I, if, if I'm not educated about it, I'm yeah. reading everything there is to know about it. I mean, that's the how you get to be the best is to always be learning. So, right. and, You know, the sad thing is, is a majority of the hunters out there don't do that. Yeah. No. Like they literally just pull their hunting stuff out of the the garage and throw it on and go in the woods a couple weekends a year. And then they hope yep. they cross their fingers of something that is brown walks by yep. right. and they can knock it down. And it's well, like and that's why you get 
that's it's hard to get deer this big is because that's what happens half the time especially in minnesota with um the rut happening right when firearm is is that yeah. all the little ones get picked off yep. and it's it's weird too because two years ago um firearm it was like almost 70 degrees that whole weekend yeah, yeah. then this last year firearm it was it was really chilly and windy yeah Welcome we hunted like way north so <laughs> yeah, yeah so i was down in missouri when it was terrible like yeah. Yeah. Year, and yeah. that's draw down there, right? Missouri is not. Missouri is over the counter. Okay. So, yeah. But, I, yeah. like, are you hunting public or do you got some private I connections? I actually guided for an outfitter down there for five years. Okay. So wow. We went down there and, yeah, it was always the dread of whether it's going to be that 80 degree bow, rut, gun, whatever, or is it snow? Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, it's really weird down there. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to talk because I might have to hire you to get me on some <laughs> deer around here. <laughs> Yeah, we, For sure. Tom, uh, Tom, obviously you guys know Tom. Yeah. Good friends. He's our, our good friend. And uh, he's normally a co-host of this podcast, yep. but, but he's committed to the, the show today here for the classic where he's introducing the celebrities and he's talking about the world-class deer mounts and things like that, including yep. this one. And uh, so he will pop in occasionally throughout the day here, but uh, right now he's otherwise uh, distracted. I know. He, he kept walking by and being like, Danny, can I photobomb yet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he, uh, one of his really good friends, the guy that owns the Hog's Breath Bar in Little Canada, yep. um, has his family's got like 3,500 acres in northern Minnesota, like almost of Canada. Oh, wow. And it's all farmland up there everywhere. And, and they've got unbelievable deer hunting up there because they've been hunting it for 40 years. Right. right. So they have like a and map. they're the only ones there. Yeah, and they've got a map on the wall with all the stand locations, and yep. they decide who's going to what stand on what day. And, right. you know, the, the house that they stay in is, like, unbelievable. And so that was a cool experience, but that's not the norm, right? No. no. Yeah, the norm is, like, what you guys are doing. Right. Yeah. Grinding it small out. small little partials, grinding it out, figuring out what you can do to, to maximize everything you can do. Yeah. Yeah, so as people that, that hunt regularly, have experience, like, put the time in, for those that are maybe less experienced, like if Travis was still here, because he, he's very <laughs> he's new to this. Kid. He's a baby. <laughs> baby boy. How do you go about describing prep for whitetail season specifically? Saddle uh, up. <laughs> Saddle up. It's a ride. <laughs> Put your seatbelt yeah. on. I mean, as a, like, comparing my previous previous experience to last year, it's a lot of, all right, let's put trail cameras up, let's see how the deer are moving. Like, I had a general idea from before on my grandma's farm, but like, it was a lot of putting trail cameras out. Um, we do some mineral blocks just to encourage, I guess, deer to come that way. But Consistency with the yeah. travel, right? Yep. Something to get them to stop, like, you know, I mean, and trail cameras is huge. Trail ca- getting the vital, the knowledge you get from a trail camera is yeah. You can't get it anywhere right. else. Where are they? What are they doing when they're there? Yeah, and then we have farmers that rotate beans and um, corn. So he, being the genius behind all this. Uh, <laughs> the but, brains of the operation. Yeah. Brains <laughs> in the beauty. Be. <laughs> it's a good team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he picked out stand location and making sure that you have all your lanes cut. Like, we had all everything set up by July, August, before yeah. September opener. Yeah, I'd say, honestly, boots on the ground is the best thing, you know, if you... I've heard that. Get in early, get into, you know, your summer. And even right now, I mean, in Minnesota, it sucks. We got snow everywhere, and you're going to be sweating. But it's just get in there, get what you can get done, figure out what's going Because right now, with the snow, you can see the paths. You can see where they're traveling, you know. And even if it's a main doe travel area, you know, if, like, you're a rut hunter, I mean, you know that's going to be crisscross with a bunch of bucks. Yeah. And you know at one point a buck's going to run down that. 
I think the hardest thing for me to learn was what was a rub on a tree and what was just the tree falling apart. Oh, oh sure. Because like sometimes that. it's like, hey, there's a rub. He's like, no, that's just that's just a deca- decaying tree. Yeah. <laughs> that would be confusing. Yeah. you got to start mixing it up between, okay, there's a rub and then there's also a scrape, right? Yeah. You kind of see those two things? Yeah. Or a licking stick somewhere? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. I'm so, okay admitting that. <laughs> so last year you guys had whitetail and elk. Anything else you hunted in 2021? Turkey. Turkeys? Turkey okay. for sure. Yeah. I, you I hunt my, locally for turkey then? Yeah. I actually, I hunted all over the place, all over Minnesota. and He's in a bow hunting league also. So. Yeah, bow hunting league. Shout out bow hunting league. Nice. Um, we were, uh, I was trying to do everything I could to get my first turkey. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I hunted everywhere. We, Her and I tried. We picked up a great piece. We went out opening morning and we heard like 13 toms gobbling on this one piece. It was crazy and like heaven oh it, the best the best turkey part of the whole hunt the whole <laughs> best part of the whole hunt watching her the first time the gala she's like stop and I'm like, <laughs> every time i hear one i just giggle i'm like it's <laughs> but yeah i ended up shooting uh i had a 10 and a half inch beard an inch and a half inch spurs right wow he run and gun wow. with his bow i ran and gun yeah we i was in my swamp. food plot behind my house and we were i was just messing around doing stuff that you normally do as a white tail hunter in the okay. summer yeah. or the spring and all of a sudden i hear just a gob a gobbler hammering out just hammering so i ran 400 yards back to my parents place grabbed my bow my blind and my decoys i'm in blue jeans and a black t-shirt i grabbed my vest and i ran all the way back and i mean literally five minutes i just i didn't want to go to my food plot so i came up and well he actually ended up going to my food plot and he came back i killed him at five yards cut his head off I You're mean, kidding me. Yeah, no. no, no, I just hammered. I'm like, really? I went all over the state of Minnesota trying to shoot just one bird. And here it is in my backyard. And a pig, too. Giant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you're, okay, so I'm trying to play this out in my head. When you're running over there, you got all this shit you're carrying yeah. with you. <laughs> it's just loaded. Did you get any of it set up, or you just had to, like, drop it and fire away? I dropped it. He had the blind I, I put the up. blind up, yeah. and I literally just kind of threw my decoys out. We have the we have the Daysmith uh, breeding pair, and I didn't even set the the Jake up on top of the hen I, or the the pull line or anything. I just I threw him out there, and and then he came boom, right in. There he was, right there. He's just hammering at him. That is awesome. Cool. What a fun story. Do you, do you have a photo of that? I actually I do. I have a photo of where he died right in front of my. He has a nice Blind. photo, too, not yeah. just a dead photo. Okay, yeah, because I'm going to definitely want to get that from you because okay. we can mix it into the episode sure. and yeah. post. For sure. yeah. It would be cool for people to see that. Yeah. All right, so fall comes around. It's time to get in the woods and look for a whitetail. Yeah. And then this, like, Godzilla deer walks by. Not even, so. <laughs> yeah, like, tell me this story. How did this come together? So I work all the time, so I, like, would go whenever I couldn't work. And, uh... I, it was October 25th. It was literally the perfect day. It was, what, what was it? It was like 60s, 70s, not even, and there was no, barely a breeze. No, it was like 45 degrees that no, morning. No, it wasn't. It was cold. It wasn't that cold. I remember that cold. I was in the afternoon. I know, and then in the stop. evening it got it got cold. No, anyways, well, that's a, story. That's a typical Minnesota day, though, <laughs> yeah. where it's like 30 in the morning and 80 in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was seriously the perfect day. Uh, I gotten in the stand around like 2 o'clock, and... We had gotten a picture of this um, particular buck five days before at night. So I had no idea it was in the area until that day, so October 20th. And then I sent it to my family, and my sister's like, oh, yeah, we knew about that. I'm like, 
All right, we're keeping secrets in this family. Wait, wait, they knew that this deer was there? Yeah. They had pictures of them all summer long. (laughs) Are they they hunters? Yeah. 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 So they kept it to themselves. I'm like, all right, that's fine. That's dirty. It's it's a little dirty, but it's fine. I had shot her deer last year, so I don't think she wanted me to get this one. (laughs) That's like, I'm talking like bad Christmas present dirty. No. Coal in their stockings. (laughs) We had a deer, too, on the farm that we called Larry. Yeah, we were after. Um, He's like a 150 inch nine point, which beautiful, is still really nice. Beautiful yeah. spread. I ended up shooting him in the shoulder. I mean, I can admit that it was just it was a bad shot. Whatever. He no, he ducked the string, bro. He yeah, ducked the yeah, string. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no, that was on me. It's called buck fever. Yeah, he was he was a really big deer, 20 yards. So they were after him before, and we were after him, and then when we kind of uh, left off, all of a sudden her dad's like, you know, there's a booner out there, right? No, and then we got that picture, and it was like blew up. Yep. So. So. Yeah. We had known about it for about five days, and I was like, "All right, like I might be able to see him. Like, it, I'm just happy if like a shooter walks in, because yeah. I literally had this fork that I kept seeing, and then I saw his basket sticks, and they would always walk behind me, and I'm like, cool, like you're getting my heart pumping, but like I don't want you to be my first deer. No, then I shoot with shoot my bow. Fork? No, it's so hard. I tried I'm, so hard. <laughs> I'm like, no, I have big, I have a little bit bigger standards than this. Like, I want to see if you can be an eight next year. Like, I'll right. shoot you as an eight. Right. Um. So I. I was sitting and he could like be eight with a kick or something yeah. and surprise you, right? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I know what's on here. Like, I, I just want something a little bit bigger for my first first bow kill. Yeah. And uh, um, I was getting antsy because I really just wanted to shoot something. I was like, I've never shot something with my bow. We had gone hog. We tried going hog hunting this year also. We mm-hmm. forgot to mention that, yeah. and like I still hadn't gotten to kill anything. <laughs> so um, I was sitting there and I was. I was just glassing a little bit across the field, and I see this fat doe cross the fence, and I was like, okay, you're mine if you come in front of me. I'm shooting you. I don't care anymore. Like, I, just, I have a doe tag. I'm going to shoot that. Yeah. So I was like, all right, going to get my bow They still up. taste good. Yeah. Yeah, right? Meat's meat. Venison. Um, and then I look back up, and I see this huge deer <laughs> with this big rack that I can see without my binoculars yeah. come across the fence, and I was like, holy cow, that's a big deer. Heart's racing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was shaking like a leaf, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a big deer. I'm like, all right, it's still 150 yards away, like, in the middle of this bean field. Like, am I? if it comes in front of me, obviously, like, I need to be prepared. So I'm like, all right, but looking at that rack. So it's wait, a nice you, rack, sir, but, like, I need to stop looking at it. Are you uh, in a ground blind, or you're in a tree stand? or? We're in the tree stand that he set up on the um, on the bean field. Okay, great. Tree stand. Perfect. Um, which I mean, I can I'll give you pictures so Aaron can put the, or Danny can put them up too. Yep. Um, Downwind presumably because he came in. Yeah, he he was just chasing this doe, so he literally was mirroring mirroring everything that she did like ten yards behind her. So it's perfect. So she started to head towards me, and I was like, okay, this might turn into something. All right. Uh, so I'm excited it's for you. Literally right now. in the matter of like five minutes that this happens, as I'm watching it come across, I'm like, all right. We're looking at the doe. She's coming towards me. And literally, I watch her just come down this, uh, down the field and starts to go broadside. And I'm like, okay, she's going to come, come right in front of me. <laughs> so I'm like shaking, but I'm like, all right, the, the buck is now a doe in my head. I'm like not even looking at the rack. You have I'm like, to, all right, right? You have to. All right, body-wise, where am I going to shoot? Like thinking of all this prep that we've put in. Like, all right, we're going just like mid-body, mid-body. So That's at this point, how far out are they? Uh, they're probably about 60 yards away. Okay, so they're getting on that edge they're, where you're going to pull yeah, the and on and the I, string. I mean, like, <laughs> he, with as much tra- as you shoot, you could shoot 60. 
Yeah, I, I could. But I was like, I, I don't want to. I'm not comfortable. Like, I, we want a 30 or less here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I had, like, You're like, pegged, hey, Mrs. Like, Doe, where 30 yards bring him was. in. <laughs> yeah, so I had pegged where 30 yards was with my rangefinder when we had first gotten into the stand. And I literally watch as the doe comes, like, right where that 30 yards is. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, he just has to take, like, 10 more steps, and then we'll be able to get him. Um, so I literally watch as he just, like, goes. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, when do I draw? So he was, like, munching as he was, like, walking. So I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and he had literally just walked, stopped, and I was like, all right, find the middle of his body and go. And so I he puts him. his head down and you pulled it back? Yep, and then he had, like, put his head up, and I was like, ding. Okay, here we are. <laughs> let her fly. Yeah, I let her fly. And all I watched was him run away. And I call him right away. And I was like, he's like, do you shoot a big buck? I was like, I shot a big buck. I shot a big buck. Because <laughs> I was at work. And I'm like, and it was a beautiful sunset, one of those clear, calm nights. And I'm like, yeah. oh, gosh, she's going to see something tonight. She calls me, and I'm like, please tell me you shot a deer and you're not already out of the stand. Like, yeah. I was just like. Oh, like, what so kind of mood are you in? Yeah. <laughs> like, For the happened? record, I had only gotten out of the stand early a couple times because my hands and feet were cold. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. She's a trooper. I don't like I don't like getting down in the dark if I'm already cold. <laughs> right, that makes sense. So, so he was about 30. Let yeah. him have it. Where he was at 30 yards. I hit him a little bit higher. First time shooting a deer, so he had ducked it a, a lot more than I thought. So I hit high lung, but it came out on the opposite side on the lower lung. So. Right, because you're 15 feet in the air. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I watched him run, and all I remember, like, I was like, all right, I got to see where he goes. Like, I remember that much of hunting. And all I remember is a cedar, and then he was gone. I'm like, I don't know what happened. I just know he went past that cedar. <laughs> so we gave him an hour, hour and a half, maybe. Yeah, because, I mean, I drove. I, my boss is like, hey, go. Just go. You're not going to be – you're, you're going to be worthless. Just go get her with the deer. So yeah, I, I, so I, I shot it at 6.13, and then I we went back out around 8, so it was about two hours. Yeah, about yeah 8.30-ish. Yeah. Um, and it was dark. We had spotlights and everything. It was a freshly um, plowed bean field, so there's no blood that you could really find. And then there's CRP grass right next door, which is the neighbor's property. So, so how did you track them. them then with no blood? Oh, we didn't. Um, we, we waited and called Little Bailey's Dog Retrieval, or um, I think that's their official name. Yeah, it's Little uh, Bailey's. The Dog uh, Trackers. Yeah. He tr I think Dustin sent me their contact info. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super cool. Um, so we waited about, it was about 14 hours. So Little Bailey's came at 9 a.m. the next morning, and we went in. Little Bailey found him in four minutes and, like, 30 seconds. Wow. I yeah. mean, this dog <laughs> went on a beeline. Like, it was, it was insane and awesome to watch because you see this dog pick up the scent and then he's going off with it so yeah. promo for those guys then yeah. wow that's yeah. great yeah so super cool um experience with that because we were, i was like i just remember it being over here so we had like put toilet paper where my arrow had hit um in the ground and i mean the arrow looked good it had bubbles on it like it had gone through lungs yeah um it just I don't know. I had gone 150 yards. He had found him. <laughs> he had walked up. He's like, holy shit, this is a big deer. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, did you find it? Is it running away? Like That's a monster. Yeah. yeah. That's a really big deer. Yeah. So the coyotes had unfortunately eaten all of the meat off of the one side. Um, so we had flipped it over for pictures. and. Mm -hmm. So did you get any usable meat then? No. 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 Which, I mean, I love... 
I love uh, venison, so I was really mad about it. I didn't even, like, I, I thoroughly enjoy this rack, but at the same time, I'm like, I want the meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. That's why we kill, it's for the meat. Yeah, it's super so. impressive, and, uh, you know, what an unbelievable story to have get to experience that. Yeah. You know, especially for local, because we just, you don't see big deer like this in yeah. uh, Minnesota. Most of the time, it's like Kansas, Missouri. Right. You know, right. Oklahoma or high fence. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had had a guy reach out to me and send me pictures that he had had of him in velvet. And that was really cool. He'd been watching this deer for about two years and he had really blown up from 2020 to 2021. So that was really nice of him to share that with me. Yeah, I'd say a good 30 inches of antler. And mass, yeah. yeah. Mass and even just like points. Like He didn't have the split last year. He didn't have either splits on the brow tines. Yeah. Um, this, this was bigger last year, so I don't know if, like, some, like, you know how deer get right, injured on one right. side and then their opposite side can be funky. So he might have got hit last year on his left side, and that's why his right side's a little bit more junky this year. Yep, good diet and all that stuff will we'll yeah. help that for sure. So, All yeah. right, folks, well, we got to gotta wrap this one up. I got to roll into the, to the net. No, you're fine. He, <laughs> he officially scored 198, and uh, the net was 170 and 28. And number two typical, right? Number two typical by a woman in Minnesota, and then number three in Washington County. Yeah, that's fantastic. Congratulations to you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, thanks for taking a few minutes to sit down. And uh, what I want to do is maybe set up time to have you guys come to the studio. Yeah, that'd we be cool. Pour some whiskey and uh, do down. this do this thing right. <laughs> Sound good? Yeah, Sir. perfect. All right, thanks a lot, you guys. Thank you. And uh, you can catch their episode sometime soon. Here we'll have some teaser clips on the social media, boots and backstraps on all of your uh, platforms out there. And uh, we will uh, be talking to Chris and Nikki again here soon. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Come on now. Honey's on looking for backstraps way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots. Some backstraps.